Great. Matt, welcome to the number one podcast in the mountainous region of Pakistan near Afghanistan. Ooh, really? Yeah, That's we're, awesome. We're Cashmere. in with the goat herders. Yeah, we're in with the cashmere goat herders. <laughs> uh, I see the bribes to the uh, politicians in the north, northern passages have paid off. So. Exactly, which is it's appropriate because we're talking about the spice must flow, the poppies must flow, so it's, a, it's an analog. Um, but today we have a special guest joining us in place of Justin, who is dead. He, he died. R.I.P. Justin. Justin. Yes, R.I.P. Justin. Uh, he's gone the way of Sam. Matt is with us today. Hi, I'm Matt. <laughs> and we made Matt watch Dune 2000 and Jadowarski's Dune, and Matt has already seen the David Lynch version we talked about. But interestingly, mm-hmm. Matt has not read the book. None of the books. So Matt. None of the books. Yeah. I, I am a horrible sci-fi <laughs> fan. Uh, apparently, it's the number one selling, best-selling book in sci-fi. Like, it's the... The book, like, I mean, would you believe that it's actually one of the few books to outstrip Al Ron Hubbard's collection? I'm glad it. I'm glad it. I, I'm amazed. <laughs> I, no, I mean seriously, that's like a, a proper mark of great sales there because millions of copies of the Al Ron Hubbard books have sold. So I, I know I have two. One from a vendor at the Kenwood Mall because I wouldn't. I actually, I actually made eye contact with him, and uh, second one was from a neighbor who tried to convince me to switch to Scientology when I lived out west. So you have your copy of Dianetics. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Personalized by both people actually, and it's kind of weird. Um, but yeah, I have those. I, I, yeah. So I. Great. I need to. I need to go buy a copy of Dune so I can counterbalance my uh, karma here. <laughs> you can undo the sin. Yeah. Okay. I mean, technically, I didn't buy those Dianetics, so I'm I'm good. But still, I'm gonna balance. Come on, that. come a little bit closer. Oh, okay, sorry. You're good. Um. Well, I'm really sad to hear that Grant and I are both OT tens. So. <sighs> well. Yeah. I... Uh, it's actually kind of funny though. Just looking <laughs> looking back on this. Uh, what ends up happening in the David Lynch version of Dune as far as their treatment of, like, the magic powers and mm-hmm. stuff, I, I don't know. I get the feeling Al Ron Hubbard probably did read this book. and I, I mean, it would be hard not to after seeing Jadowarski. I apologize. I'm going to butcher that guy's Jadowarski? name. Jadowarski? Jadowarski, yeah. yeah. Jadowarski's Dune. I mean, if, that, if that's what he sees when he reads Dune, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh... Which, which one do you want to talk about first? Do you want to talk about the Sci-Fi Channel one, or do you want to talk about the documentary? I feel like we should get the Sci-Fi one out of the way, just because I really didn't... Like, I mean, I liked it, but I think it's one of those things where it's a great source material, mm-hmm. bad direction. Bad direction, not enough money. You know, a common theme we will see throughout this Dune. <laughs> uh, but... Th- okay. Um or what did I screw up? And... No, no, no. I'm, th- I'm trying to get this straight in my head here. So you you like the sci-fi one better than the David Lynch one? No, 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 no. Sorry. I did not mean that. I okay. meant I like the David Lynch one over the sci-fi one. Wow. Oh, really? Interesting. That's interesting. I want okay. to hear okay. more about this. Okay. Yeah. Now, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if you want me to just go into it right now, but... No, no. Go, go ahead. Okay. We, okay. This, yeah. So it, it, it's it's simple in that... I, David Lynch's Dune, I saw, it had, and I really think it has nothing to do with the actual source material, it's just a win and wear scenario, because I saw that at the ripe age of when I was seeing such classics as like Indiana Jones and Star Wars, and you know, I was getting into that realm of like, Mm. uh, childhood memories, so that's when I saw Dune, 
So to me, when I see Dude, when I see David Lynch's Dune, to me, it's just a sen- sentimental value thing. I'm like, oh. Okay, so you have like a <laughs> you have a nostalgia. Yeah, I have a nostalgia connection to it. And I remember when the 2000 miniseries came on. I remember I had I had cable then, and I had sci-fi, uh, and sorry, and uh, I don't know. I don't know what it is. Like I when I watched it again, it was the same thing. It was more like, where's Where's my Agent Cooper? You know, <laughs> like even though that came later, mm-hmm. like I just I I've just seen David Lynch's Dune so many times that it's like how can it's not going to be the it's not going to I I like it I like it I just it's just I'm comfortable with that one and disconnecting it from your nostalgia though the miniseries is better the miniseries you would say yeah, the miniseries yeah. I is think better? I think if you're going to if you're doing something like I am who haven't read the book miniseries because the miniseries will at least give you uh I think a better overall coverage of what the book will have to you know it covers more of what the book has in it at least from what I've been told because I haven't read the book but from all from what I've heard mm-hmm. <laughs> it, it covers more of what the book is and I uh, after watching it for the second I watched episodes one two I got a copy that had had in three sections but it was like really weird where they cut off the sections so I'm not sure if that's how many episodes originally aired or um, yeah I got mine through the internet. Uh, <laughs> I think it was it, three hour long episodes. That, that's what, yeah, yeah, yeah. And this one had commercial breaks in it, so like oh, this was okay. like from the actual sci-fi like channel days. You yeah. Know? See, mm. I mean, I look or not, 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 not commercial breaks. The um, what do you call it? The title runners, the little like you know sci-fi and little Saturn up next. Yeah, that kind yeah. of stuff. Where their little old uh, bumpers for commercials, like I miss that little Saturn, yeah. yeah, the little tune. Up next, yeah. uh, Eureka and other shows that. Uh... Do you have the same copy? You have the same copy? No, <laughs> you I looked for it on Amazon and stuff, and it's not. I didn't see it as available. Like for, uh, it's available from third-party sellers, mm-hmm. and they're charging way too much money for it. Yeah. So you got like a bootleg French subtitled copy. Where, like all the translations for the alien language are in French, so I was kind of lost for that part. But I'm assuming they didn't really say anything important with the subtitles. See, mine was in Portuguese, okay? <laughs> so like it was even more interesting because um, my copy of the miniseries had Portuguese subtitles for everybody, and my copy of uh, the documentary ha- had Spanish subtitles for everybody. So I got a good Iberian Peninsula feeling oh, yeah. for uh, the series of books. Matt, also, showing off the history major. Hey, you're, you're right. <laughs> silver mines up next. You yeah, know, a little Cortez here and there. <laughs> yeah, I felt uh, I agree with you that objectively that the miniseries is is a better presentation of the source material. Mm-hmm. I don't think any of the adaptations do justice to the book, no. which I'm sure you'll find out when you read it because it's one of those books that you can read four or five times, and there's like four or five different thematic layers to it, and it's just a lot. Yeah, and I feel like you can't fit that into a however long the David Lynch one was, like the f- three hours, and you can't fit it into like a three-hour miniseries either. You can just hope to get the best parts and make like a coherent story out of it. Mm, I think it's one of those ones you'd have to do like a Band of Brothers, like twelve-episode miniseries. Well, it was it was like last year, I think sometime around November. Then Legendary Pictures pick up the rights to this. 
And weren't they thinking about doing giving it the old Game of Thrones paint job of releasing it as... I mean, that was like, again, that's November 2016, so it's not too long ago, but again, a lot of things have happened since then, so... <laughs> it really would be a sci-fi version of Game of Thrones if they did it right, and yeah. I really think people would enjoy that a whole lot, yeah. because it's basically yeah. the same kind of story, it's just in space. Yeah, I think it's a... If they had... If they included the political intrigue and kept it in there, because I'm, I'm of the opinion that Game of Thrones has degenerated into shit. Mm. Yes. Really? Even no, at the Battle of Brothers? No number of flying dragons and CGI horses is going to convince oh, okay. me. Oh, okay. Like, okay, yeah. I agree with you on that point. Yeah. Just okay. like the first season, <laughs> the first season felt like it had like people built sets and shit, and then it's just like they're standing in front of a blue screen, and it's, oh, boy. The first season of Game of Thrones, let me not to get off subject, uh, the first season of Game of Thrones, whenever I watch it, uh, my first reaction is um, whenever they go to King's Landing or just in the beginning when... Uh, the Baratheons meet the Starks at Winterfell. Sorry, I will get back on subject. Mm -hmm. uh, is my gosh, it must smell so bad. <laughs> like that is my first reaction every time because they they're, they're walking. You can hear the muck mm -hmm. in their feet, and like I've I've been to Colonial Williamsburg. I I've been, I was a history major. I know what people did with their muck. <laughs> you know, like, yeah, comes but, out of their window. Yeah. I mean, yeah. people, but that's. It's applicable to what we're talking about today because we're talking about what you were saying that the rights have been picked up, so a potential other adaptation in the vein of Game of Thrones. Mm. It's like, I think that the I'm saying that whether or not the adaptation would be great or disappointing is kind of dependent on what disappoints me now about Game of Thrones. Like, it doesn't have that grit anymore to it because it really felt like you were looking at a medieval, mm -hmm. like an omniscient view of medieval fantasy politics or something and now it's kind of gone down to like a condensed you know welch's grape juice version of like <laughs> the things you want to see it's like yeah. it's fan service porn now more so like and that's what i'm afraid they do a dune like you're gonna do all the cool stuff like, oh he's gonna ride the sandworm bro <laughs> you can you know make stuff in korean render farms now over a weekend like i don't know i mean if if they did like i feel if they gave the sandworms, the same treatment that Bong Joon Hong did in the host. I think that I think that's who did the host, uh, the, <laughs> where it was like this, like just slapstick, hilarious creature that just popped out of nowhere and killed people. Like, I feel like that would be okay in my book for a CGI sandworm, but I know that's not what they're gonna do. They're going to they're going to give me some horrific satanic nightmare from some producer in LA idea of a sandworm, and he's gonna be like me, who's gonna be like, dude. I read I, it's it's on, it's on my Kindle. I'm gonna read it at some point. That that's the sandworm we're gonna get, and uh, I really hope. I'm more worried about the suits, like okay. like that's my big deal. Because like when I first realized, like especially David Lynch's suits, like the, that's your pee being recirculated back in the water. Oh, the still suits. Yeah, and like yeah. they're tight. That's skin tight. Like, I don't know if you remember when you were kids and you had an accident and, you know, your pants were wet. Like, that, that tightness is not, that's not comfortable. Like, like that is just every time I see that scene of him just walking around and outside. Well, there's many scenes, but there's close-ups of the suit scenes. I'm just like, sticky. Sticky and uncomfortable. And we're back to the smells and Game of Thrones. See? I, I went full loop. So. <laughs> I actually... I, I like the concept of the still suits, though, and it connects to something I do really like about Dune is that it is 
a sci-fi epic, but it's missing a lot of the science part. They really don't emphasize technology a whole lot in this whole series or even in the book, but the parts that they do come up with are really pretty innovative. Like the still suit, I think that's pretty cool and the way they explain it that it actually kind of like, I don't know, like under armor, like wicks the moisture that you lose into the suit and then it kind of separates out all like the waste and salt and disposes of it and you just get like the pure water back. I am not going to see an Under Armour commercial the same from now on. I'm just going to see those athletes like, oh, just like absorbing all their moisture. But it's interesting to, to think about that now. You know, this book was written in 1965, and this guy anticipated a piece of technology that would not be invented until the early 2000s, and that was only really marketed in the beginning to professional athletes. Yeah. And that's pretty cool, and it's all by using Teflon and stuff like that, and it's, you know. Oh, yeah, Tw 20, I mean, well, what do you guys think? If they started a new series, it'd be like, what, 2019's Dune, or maybe 2020 at this point's Dune? Well, if, you it know. Depends you on who does it, Yeah, would be what I say, because if it gets picked up by somebody like Amazon, they have apparently a psychotic breakneck schedule to go from. Horrifically breakneck. To go from approved pilot to produced series. So if they did it, I would say like 2018. Okay. Well, so to go back to what you said about it being from 1965. Five, yeah. yeah, 65 to 2016 and seeing how much he was correct on certain things. I really hope they keep that interplay of of um, technology, but not computers. You know, it's not this, it's not Ghost in the Shell. It's not this, you know, everybody has an iPhone. Everybody has a, a device that's connected to the internet, you know. I, cause I, that's my fear is that they're going to try to interweave the internet somehow into this. And that's what's so great about Dune is Dune is a, is what would happen if the Holy Roman Empire just kept going and never invented the internet, but still had all the modern technologies like space travel and everything. Cause it's like this, like, you know, they live out in the desert or they live in the, this the desert planet with like still stone walls and stone doors but they have flying things, you know. So like, I think they need to keep that going. The I don't think they can have a successful series without continuing that because that's one of the most unique things about this whole story to me is that it's a sci-fi story about a civilization that has rejected technology yeah, like computers. The yeah. That like, they've they've got they've gotten rid of thinking machines that do the work for them and stuff like they had that jihad thing and that they explained <laughs> in the beginning of the move the David Lynch movie and yeah. it's kind of like a non sequitur does and they have actual people trained to think like computers and that's how they do all their computation just i think that's a pretty cool concept um i don't know just a lot of ideas ahead of their time like just how much you can be enthralled by technology and just become a slave to it, or literally, yeah. like people did before they rebelled against the robots in, in Dune's timeline. Mm -hmm. Or respecting the connection between nature and, you know, resource extraction. Like, the worms clearly make the the spice. It's worm shit, pretty much, is what I got out of reading the book and watching all of these. And yet, it's so hard for everybody in the show, or you know, the miniseries and the movies to really make that connection. I think that's a good parallel. I don't think people really understand how well 
our connection to nature is or how tenuous that can be and it's could be like Monsanto could be like the evil <laughs> it could be like the non freeman like uh Harkonnens. Yeah, yeah, they'd be the Harkonnens. Yeah, they, yeah, they would be the Harkonnens. Would be like the mm, Monsanto like Great. Let's have like the updated Romeo and Juliet with the Montague construction and stuff. We'll just have it now be the Harkonnen Corporation. Are you talking about the Leonardo DiCaprio I am. movie yes, that I we am. had to watch in school sometimes? I am indeed <laughs> talking about that one. Gentlemen we... gentlemen, the official name is uh Boz Lerman's Romeo and Juliet, please. Please who's, get that classical cool. Who's Boz Lerman? He's the director. Does he make porn or something? No, but he 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 made he, he did made, the Great Gatsby a few years ago and it and was Moulin Rouge. really bad. Oh, that fucking <laughs> shit where they put the goddamn rap music with big band. It was the dumbest fucking. Oh no, thing I've no, ever heard I. Everything he's made since that is awful, but I, I still, I think I, I really enjoyed Romeo and Juliet by Baz Luhrmann. I thought it was a great movie, but then again, I have a soft spot for John Leguizamo films. So. Oh, I thought it was hilarious, like that <laughs> Mercutio was a crazy transvestite and shit, yeah. shooting people at the gas station, but I'm just saying that uh, for the crimes of combining Jay-Z's stylings with big band music and Prohibition he yeah, nah, that's a little too much. He should be shot for that. You know, I, I, I can link Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet back to Dune in the same sense that it, ha- it has a sentimental value to me. It's like right time, right place. You know, like I saw it when I needed to, and now it's like solidified as a great movie, even though everyone else disagrees with me. <laughs> Battlefield Earth, right? One oh. of the greatest films ever made. Great nostalgia value because it's so bad. It's it's good to watch. <laughs> Truly a classic. The last movie I walked out of was Battlefield Earth because I was so confused. <laughs> and I just... It's was... worth the trip to stay to find out about John I mean, Travolta's evil plans. Yeah. Yeah. It's on the list. <laughs> Along with most John Travolta films. <laughs> I'm sorry. I saw Michael. That was a horrible movie. So... Where he was One an angel. the angel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. fuck me. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he owes me. <laughs> well, I like I like that in this stuff, there's no angels and no religious bullshit like that. I mean, really, it's more like it's more religious in the sense of a cult. Mm-hmm. In these, like they are, they follow a cult of this guy Moadi or whatever Moadi, and well, I mean, there's there's some kind of pseudo religious weird shit with like the Spacers Guild and stuff. There, yeah. there is a little bit of mysticism and like they take the spice to enhance their mental powers to warp space. I mean, that's... It's, it's getting there. So they take their space heroin and then they, they can do cool stuff for a while before they become deformed into like but either giant weird yeah. things in a tank or they're like little iridescent flying, uh, you know... I don't know how to describe them. They look like little seahorses. But there's just, there's like the idea that there's something beyond they have to tap into to do that. So I get, there is a pseudo mystical element to a lot of the stuff going on here. But I think that the religious allegory is like the cult that has their Messiah come to save them. Right. Obviously. Like he literally makes it rain. Yeah. Yeah. On the desert planet. Like if you don't see that in the movie, then I don't, (laughs) I don't understand. I'm trying to remember the last time I saw a science fiction or historical fiction or any sort of genre fiction where there wasn't some type of Christ like hmm. the end of the Matrix where Neo stretches his back, he's just yawning. And Agent Smith is like, <laughs> Fuck man, you just woke up. 
I'm dead, G. <laughs> I love, I love that uh, your, your, <laughs> how you took that movie. Um, the one that always comes to mind is like, uh, is a movie I sort of enjoyed, but everybody else seemed to hate was the um, Superman Dawn of Justice. Uh, oh, uh, Batman versus Superman. No, no, no. The first one. What was the first one? Man, no, of, Man Steel. of Steel. Man of Steel. Sorry. <laughs> I am. I am in. I am sorry. I. I will admit. I. I kind of liked it. Uh, only for one reason, because the scene where he's in space, and he floats up, and you see the sun cast over him. Are you talking about Superman Returns, perhaps, where Kevin Spacey stabs him with the kryptonite, and he flies up to the sun, and then picks up Kevin Spacey's rock and throws it into space? No, isn't there one? Wasn't it in? Um... Or is it was Henry Cavill Superman, or was it somebody else? Now I'm really confused. Like, that's um, yeah, yeah. Okay, you know what? We're just gonna gloss over this. <laughs> Jesus is in a lot of things, guys. Basically, is what I was oh, trying to if, get to. Well, if you're getting, if Man of Steel does have like the great film school shot where Henry Cavill's Superman is sitting in the church talking to the priest in the profile shot with Jesus on the cross next to him, he's like, no. "Is it right to give up my life to save the world, Father?" No, there, there's a scene in. It must be Batman versus Superman then, where Superman is in space, and it's a moment where the Earth is rotating and the sun is rising, and we get this great horizontal sunbeam shot going across the Earth, and all of a sudden you see this Jesus, for uh, audio listeners, I'm doing a Jesus stance, and he's just like, I'm here, I'm Jesus. And, it's, and they focus on it for such a long period of time that it, I can't help but laugh every time I see it. Like and then Batman kills him. Yeah. Martha. <laughs> Martha. <laughs> oh, but, wait, no. This is after 9-11. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. This is... This, this is um, God, does this mean I have to go see those movies again because I have to get these right in my head? Because... Well, because Man of Steel happens and at the end of that, Superman kills everybody in Metropolis because he's trying to save them. Yeah. And then the next movie, Batman's real fucking mad about that, so he and Wonder Woman get on AIM and talk about it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, you got it right, though. I got it right. Okay, good. I was... I mean... Yeah, I got it right. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> I totally forgot about the uh, Superman Returns. That's the one when you said, when you brought that up. I was like, wait, what? Because there's a similar shot in that one where he rises up next to the sun and they hold on it for a long time. So that's why I was wondering, yeah, which of your hacky Superman <laughs> shots are we talking about here? Because there are only so many you can do. Yeah, there really is. Man, but I miss Christopher Reeve. Maybe you thinking maybe you were thinking of the one where he flies really fast and makes the earth spin and backwards. No, no. And I was thinking of the one time. where he catches Lois Lane while she falls at at, at uh, terminal force and it has it, to be like caught midair. I, you know, I mean, <laughs> if Spider-Man can jump off a ledge and push himself down faster to catch Mary Jane than fuck it Superman can grab Lois Lane in midair. Just like if super if the fucking if Captain Kirk and Spock can do the calculations to go around the sun to go back in time in a spaceship, why can't Superman do it by going fast in space? You gotta buy one if you're gonna I, buy them both. <laughs> I mean, no, because okay, uh, with the Star Trek reference, mm-hmm. that is not just Kirk and Spock. We have to imagine that this was a protocol by the United Federation of Planets, thus an organization that is slash scientific slash militaristic has a protocol for time travel. 
versus a dude in spandex going around in a planet. Well, also they have the technology. It's not just mm. the, the guys; it's the technology. They have like I'm the more, warp drive and everything. It's not one guy spinning around the sun like, like going back in time. We're, we're going back yeah. to our religious. You're, it's like you're trying to tell me this one guy went around the Earth so fast he time traveled, versus science. That's what Star Trek is, is science. So science. But Star Trek is made up science, though. So, I mean, we... Dare you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Every, go, anybody who's curious, just go find all the Next Generation scripts and do uh, Control-F for Compensator and just see how many times that comes up. Fuck, we can't overcome this physics problem. Well, now it's the Compensator. Yeah. Jordy, colon, I want to have sex with you. Please fuck me. Period. What Star Trek? I, I must have missed those episodes. <laughs> See, it's Jordy's never getting lucky with the ladies, and he's always down about it. He is always down about it. Wasn't yeah. it weird when they got rid of his glasses in that one episode where they went to a different timeline, and so he had like oh implants? Yeah, like, that was weird. They did it in the movies too, and then yeah, I didn't see many of the movies. I, I, I kind of lost faith after Nemesis, and then came back for the J.J. Abrams, and then well. Lost faith again. Wow. (laughs) You you ran in there like Charlie Brown. I promise I'm not going to pull the football away this time. (laughs) No, dude. I'm I'm the cab driver in all those uh, action movies where New York City gets destroyed who sits there and he looks in his rear mirror and sees the fire come up behind him and then looks over his shoulder and sees the fire coming up behind him, then looks in his rearview mirror or his side mirror, sees the fire coming up behind him, and then gets out of his cab. You know, three-point check to make sure I'm going to be screwed is basically how I go into these situations. Or the studio guy in uh, Independence Day. I gotta call my agent. Oh, <laughs> and call my lawyer. Whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's me. That's I gotta me. call my mother. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, because like I remember my dad taking me to see Nemesis and like being like, I don't want to go see a Star Trek movie. Well, I heard this one might be good. Whoa, <laughs> that's what. Yeah, so yeah. Well, that I mean, again, that does raise the question of like you have an adaptation of something classic at. Uh, scientific like mm-hmm. star trek and it gets turned into i would say more about things happening quickly in an exciting fashion than science the trek and the furious yes i'm wondering <laughs> if you're gonna yeah. get like you know dune meets doom you know like it's oh man like oh it wouldn't be great if we just had a bunch of battles where the the troops of the different guys were shooting each other yeah that's great let's have one of those and yeah. spaceships. They never blow up enough spaceships in the books. We can do that, too. Now, give me a moment here. Let me go on to my little limb, my little mm-hmm. branch here. I think that... Don't hang yourself. I, I'm going to. Watch me. Oh, okay. Because uh, <laughs> you're going to... Because I've already, I've already picked up... Uh, hey, Dune reference. Uh, <laughs> 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 um, well, we have to come back to that in a second. Okay. Um, okay. But, um, so... <laughs> Dune reference um, is uh, I can't imagine that Hollywood would let. Well, see, I've already broken the rule. I mentioned Hollywood. Um, a director take, giving up that ability of the shield and having to slow down to actually kill someone instead of speeding up. You know, like that is that. Oh come on, that is 
that's perfect. That is so perfect with movies like The Matrix, with TV shows like Into the Wastelands, which I've never seen, but I've seen great scenes on YouTube, um, and The Matrix, and things with slow motion shots like Crouching Tiger and all that kind of stuff. I know this is all dated, mm-hmm. but you know, it, that that is such a cool concept. I love that scene in in uh, Lynch's Dune, where you actually see him slow down the blade as it comes through the shield and everything. It's just, that is so cool. Like, that has to be in it, and that has to be a main focus. And I think that whole medieval slash bad guys fighting all the time over their different religions and their freemanism, like, that's perfect for sword play and shields and stuff like that. And, but now I can't think of but David Carradine, so. <laughs> but, yeah, like the, it has to have that in there. It has to have the shields and the swords. <laughs> Or the knives. It was more knives, I would think. So yeah, the the two thousand miniseries. One time. Just watching it again. Yes, there was one. Mm-hmm. Only one there time. Was one sword thing. There's in there one with, sword with thing. the little shield. But thing it was cool in the beginning. It was cool. But yeah. do you know how often I was sitting there like, like any minute now, any minute now, any minute another sword, another, another scene, right? No. Okay. I mean, you I recall two sword fights in it. There's where he's training with Gurney Halleck in the mm-hmm. beginning. And then the end of the third episode where he fights uh, Fade Rautha and kills him. Yeah, that's and that was that was it. That's all I can recall really. Yeah. Or he has to doesn't he have to fight like a couple different guys too who keep challenging him for leadership of the Fremen. I think because like people doubt he's Mahdi, so he has to like keep proving that he I is the guy. I don't think they use the yeah. blades in those confrontations, but I could be wrong. I think I think those confrontations. Um, I know he uses like the mind fuck thing they do a couple of times. Yeah, because I, where like they speak with like the robot voice, you know? Yeah, that was weird. <laughs> that was. I don't like the book has a huge long explanation of all that stuff and. It's like more, much more fleshed out. But when they said that in the series, I wasn't expecting it. It just sounded like, it just sounded like they put like one of those like garage band voice modulators on there. <laughs> it sounded strange, but I find the 2000 series enjoyable to watch. I mm-hmm. actually, I hadn't seen it in a long time, and I, I had a good time watching. I it. would like to get it on like actual copy of it, like a Blu-ray. Yeah, and, yeah. because I feel like that, I I would hope would make it. A little bit more enjoyable, um, but even though this was early two thousands, this or this was two thousand, mm-hmm. <laughs> the, the graphics like was that a purpose? Were they trying to make it look like a seventies, like um, Buck Rogers or Flash Gordon style? Because like the very first scenes, like scream, uh, you know, the very end of Flash Gordon with those huge over concept costumes and all the reds and um maybe you got me i don't know i don't know i just that was one of my notes i just remember seeing it was like because grandma had the giant velociraptor like things i mean but who (laughs) who's to say what their influences were for i think they take a lot of direction from what the descriptions are in the book because they do spend a lot of time describing, oh, this is what the emperor's palace looks like, and this is what the emperor's attendants wear, and stuff like that. Not, you know, ad infinitum, but Not I said that wrong. Way. But anyway, yeah. But it's not it's, in a biblical beginning, right? It's it's <laughs> not like overly descriptive, but you get a sense. So maybe that's where they're taking inspirations like that. But 
I mean, I didn't find the the art style in this offensive. I I do find like that the special effects are, of course, like really dated, and the CGI looks Meh. really dated. But it's the year two thousand, so look, Phantom Menace looks really dated too. If you go back and look at the CGI oh, I on that, so I mean, if you think, yeah, Toy Story, <laughs> Toy yeah, Story, <laughs> like, but that was meant to. It's all CGI, so. you, but it oh, but it looks like it is so dated now. Like it just. Even though it's all CGI, like that's always my like. But I say for at least for Toy Story, you don't have to have the toys with actual like. It's not like Who Framed Roger Rabbit or anything where there were live action characters. Yeah, but like Phantom Menace, you know, you have like Jar Jar Mix. and like yeah. droids that don't look real, like on a green screen next to you know uh, Liam Neeson, and it doesn't it doesn't look good anymore. <laughs> you, uh, yeah, but yeah. I mean, even things that like Titanic where they use it just to layer in their big Mexican slave ship they built into the harbor. Well, the, looking back on it, I, it looks fake as shit now, but at the time it was like, ooh, such a, like the only movie I can think of that still looks remotely passable is fucking Jurassic Park and I have no idea how they accomplished that in like 1994. they only use the CGI for wide shots where you couldn't see details up close because everything that's up close in that movie is an animatronic. Well, which was done, so smart. Done perfectly because yeah. it still looks great. I know. And you think they could have learned that lesson for like Jurassic Park 3 instead where they made everything CGI and it looked fake as shit. But my, I don't blame the people who made the miniseries at Sci-Fi for the CGI looking bad. No. I mean, one, it's like it's a TV series budget. So it's Pre-Game not... Pre-Game of Thrones. It's right. A, well, it's a Sci-Fi <laughs> Channel one too. Miniseries so. budget, right. yeah. yeah. And it's, it's the Sci-Fi Channel's usual intern who has a laptop that does all their... You know, the mosquito, mosquito visual effects and stuff. Same kid. I'm sure they busted their asses making the visuals for this uh, television movie, I'm going to call not, it. But just not the money to put behind right, it. Right, it's uh, just like, how much are you going to spend that versus the the stuff, the, the costumes that the real actors wear. Mm-hmm. Like, eh, and the sets well, and stuff. Yeah, yeah probably a good decision to spend more on the sets. Because the set's actually pretty cool. Some of them, like the palace mm-hmm. on Arrakis. Well, it's funny nice. that you mentioned that and all the detail in the book because the other thing we want to discuss is Jai Dvorsky's Doom, which is the... Oh, yeah. All do- about design. The de- right. Yeah. The documentary <laughs> about Alejandro Jodorowsky's insane vision for how he was going to bring Dune to life. A 40-hour movie. In 1970, <laughs> what, four or five? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. So... We'll it, go to page it, three of my notes on that uh, Yeah, it's a, doc- <laughs> it's a documentary about what might have been but one of the key things about his approach to this was just a very like avant-garde maybe take on the visuals very colorful yeah very i mean hr geiger uh salvador dali mick jagger um mobius i mean Right, and like the Emperor's uh, enormous fat man with like jewels and like multicolored shit all the time and stuff, like just dazzling, blindingly brilliant and colorful. And I guess, you know, the visual display of wealth is going to be so great. The palace will blind you and all that. Like, that might it. I mean, uh, early fun fact did you guys know what? Uh, did you guys see that little part where they talked about Dolly's uh, um, paycheck? How much they wanted? To, how much Dolly wanted to be paid for that role? I can't remember that part. Yeah. It was a hundred thousand, no, a hundred thousand dollars per hour to be the emperor. To be the emperor, okay. and so uh, Alejandro rewrote his whole his whole part in not the script, but in like uh, the director's notes, so that they could film 
and get all of his scenes done in exactly 60 minutes. <laughs> so, like, I, I just love, like, when I, that was one of the many things I loved about this documentary and this film that should be made at some point. Uh, you know, speaking of legendary pictures buying the rights, we should just have them make this movie. They have lots of money. <laughs> I can't see like a 40 hour movie in any way, shape, oh, no, or no, no, form, no. like yeah, a theatrical. But if they were to take some of his art inspiration from that giant book that he keeps of all this stuff and apply that to um, like a limited run series like Game of Thrones, like, you know, how many episodes are in a season of Game of Thrones? Like 10? Uh, 10. In yeah, the last two so. seasons will right. be six and seven. Yeah. So, and that seems to be the trend that all of the internet and, you know, non-cable providers are going towards all the content producers is short seasons. I think if they took his art inspiration and applied it to that, it would look really cool. Yeah. It would look like nothing else, that's for sure. I would also like, um, since both in the miniseries, actually just the miniseries, I believe, um, wouldn't it be great if like the new Dune was redone with his artwork and possibly given the British miniseries overview where it's uh, longer episodes, more in-depth episodes, but shorter seasons, so that way you don't have ten episodes. You have like four, but each four are like two hours long, and that way you can really delve into the book because that's the issue we have here is you can't tell Dune in two hours, right? But you can tell it in, you know, ten hours. And ten hours is totally doable for a TV show. I mean, <laughs> that's that's easy. And it can keep going. Oh, yeah. Too. I mean, there's so much source material. I mean, and it's like Game of Thrones doesn't even stick to the source material anymore. Oh, no, they've been off book for a while now. Right. So. so they, you know, when once they start getting into the Dune source material that's really not that great, they can just say, ah, we're not going to do that and just make up their own story. But I, think I mean, that'd on, be that, nice. on that point, though, though, about the timing you're going to take, it's like the lesson you learn from Game of Thrones is that you need to pace yourself. Because um, Bainhoff and Weiss, the two producers there, just fucking coke went. addicts for the book. Like just they just as much as they could get in, as much they can get into their nostrils as fast as possible. Yeah, yeah, and they just like shoveled a bunch of shit. Like, oh, you're gonna want that. They skipped over a bunch of stuff that they could have used before they got like now, where it's like, oh man, well, as someone who's <laughs> like who's getting, I'm in book. I think of the audiobooks. I'm doing the audiobooks because I can't. I tried reading those. I can't read those books. Too many names. Um, the audiobooks. I'm in book four, and there's just so much that they skipped over that I'm like, why is this not? This would been this would have been an amazing three episode arc. Mm? And yeah. like, and now to go back to doing like I can imagine like like um, you know they had to add that whole subplot for the princess in the in the miniseries compared to the original. Right? Was that the miniseries? Yeah. Yes. yes. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm now self, self-doubting myself, guys. Uh, <laughs> the uh, subplot for the princess, like, they could actually take that and make it into something real now in this new series, I think. They could really make it into a, a good storyline where we don't end up with, like, sorry, your mm-hmm. dragons and your CGI dragons doing stuff. You end up with something more like Grant's talking about of taking those little moments and really delving into them and making them into a real story. I mean, yeah, I, I would be very interested to see what you, like when you said the Holy Roman Empire in space, I would like to see that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to see, you know, and then the dragon melts the bad guy because now the dragon queen got the dragon egg and then it had. 
I would, yeah, I would love to see where it's like our entire technological our, our ability what it gets um, retarded. I'm going to use that term dictionary correct. Retarded every couple centuries so that we skip over certain things. So we have space travel, but we don't have computers. We have navigation, but we don't have iPhones, you know, like... Well, if you look at it as a, as a medieval kind of allegory, though, the navigators are the Catholic Church. Yeah. Because they're keeping the flame of knowledge and hoarding it. Exactly. And also telling the emperor, who's supposed to be in charge, hey, here's how it's really going to be, you motherfucker. Like, we like that spice. You know, you better fucking keep this Arrakis shit going. And the emperor's like, okay, yeah, I'm a bitch. So if you look at the historical allegory, I'd love to see that. That's oh, interesting, yeah. fertile <laughs> grounds for exploration. The but... emperor is a mob wife. Yeah, basically. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I think the emperor likes Trump's nice clothes and stuff. Right, but... the, exactly. The emperor doesn't really have the stomach for what must be done to keep you know, things in order. But again, so has been the case in history. So Wait, are you telling me the emperor is a political figure who is above his head? Colorful character who doesn't who doesn't know what he's doing and is uh, submissive to all, everybody's demands and wills and thinks that he can just just float along and everything's gonna work out. I wonder I wonder who that reminds me of. Uh, well, we won't go there, but <laughs> you know, just saying, <laughs> like with this whole environmental change and the you know with the. Uh, the new series would be more focused on the environment I would take with, because that's a big deal. Um, and that's a big deal in Dune. Big deal for Frank Frank Herbert. Like, they could really do a slyness and uh, kind of modern take on it or older take on it or something and still keep that Holy Roman Empire style of storytelling. Um, I have to say, though, I think that this documentary about Dune is probably the best um, film adaptation about Dune that I have seen. Like, I thought it was more enjoyable, even though it's not the actual story. I thought it was more enjoyable than the miniseries and the 1984 movie uh, because I was just fascinated by, one, his vision for this, and then, two, how it all unraveled and how... Actually, it it seemed kind of cool that everything that he worked for on that production, while it unraveled, it ended up influencing tons and tons of other sci-fi epic projects that everybody knows about. Alien. Yeah, Alien, Blade Runner, and all the people who worked on uh, Jodorowsky. I'm probably pronouncing his name wrong, too, but... Everybody who worked on this failed production of Dune went on to do like really amazing things. Like people worked on Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, who did, who were involved in this, and uh, like Clark said, Alien, Blade Runner. Oh, by the way, we're gonna stop here and pause. I want to mention sure. I saw an extended trailer for Blade Runner twenty forty nine. Yeah, okay. I, okay. I never remember the year. No, I, I I'm, I'm guessing. I'm, I'm, I I, I, I wanted to that's... say twenty ninety nine, but it's I think it's twenty forty nine. I think you're right. Holy shit. Does that look awful? Awful? Yes. Really? Yes. Because uh, I was on board from the moment, but, you know, I mean, it's... Uh... But I think that's applicable here because it's. I think it's the problem is what I we're talking about is that, like, you have people who have the 
the influential kind of master who influences their work and like takes them into alien aliens blade runner etc cetera, etc cetera. Mm-hmm. and then you have the assholes who followed them who are like the third generation who have going to have spent all of grandpa's intellectual capital and are now on you know but isn't the guy behind arrival doing 2049 so an arrival was i thought it was amazing Did i mean as a as a like actual science fiction movie, yeah. yeah. The aliens want to do math. Sure, it was good, but my problem is that like you have the master, then the people who follow him, then you have the people who try to imitate the imitators. And to me, it always necessarily leads to like, well, Blade Runner had buildings, so now we got to make bigger buildings. And Ryan Gosling is he's the the new android hunter. And, and we have to switch from Chinese to Korean. And he's exactly we got to make some subtle changes to you know alter to the future. It, it's just it kind of loses like what the magic of Blade Runner was to me because it just looks like Blade Runner underscore colon the cash in like hey remember Blade Runner and Harrison Ford's there and it's just like I have a feeling it's going to be like fucking Total Recall with goddamn Irishman what's his face. Oh, Colin Farrell. Uh, Colin Farrell. Yeah, where it's like they the... changed the story completely to a giant elevator that goes from London to Australia for some fucking reason that nobody knows. Yeah, that, yeah, we don't. Like, the, I'm so afraid they're going to ruin what is a good story. I uh, maybe I just have uh, more faith in humanity, uh, Clark, <laughs> when it possible. comes to this. But I feel I like... went to law school, Matt. Oh right. So you know, no yeah. more faith in humanity. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, technically, I have an HR degree, so if anyone has no faith in humanity. <laughs> um, so to go back to the 2049 real quick, I think what's going to happen is that it's going to be something where, like, how Ryan Gosling is out to search for Harrison Ford, and the reason why everything looks so different, there's all this sand and Korean, and don't correct me if, I'm, if it's already been leaked or anything like that, because I don't care. I'm going to go in believing this, is it's kind of this whole... You know, he's moving up the Asian chain. He was in China before, in Shanghai, and now he's in, you know, the Korean Peninsula. And they're showing that this actually is not just a unified world under one system of government and one culture. It's actually still remnants of all these things that were. And they're going to start showing us uh, the grander universe that Blade Runner's in. That, you know. Go ahead. Yeah, that it wasn't really touched on in the first film as in-depth. I mean, it was touched on in the first film, but more like the universe on that planet, not the universe itself. It just seems to be a common... Like, I'm trying to... Like you, I'm, I'm trying to keep an open mind about like Blade Runner, because we get so many sequels to not just movies, but stories in general. Yeah. And it seems to be a common problem in storytelling that people you know, say there's nothing new under the sun, but then... It's really like every story is in its own way derivative or influenced by something else. I think it's just the degree to which you draw influence and how much you derive from other works determines ultimately how people react to the work hmm. in a lot of ways. Because then if you do get something that's just a blatant ripoff, like, oh, they're, you know, like, I guess you're afraid that Blade Runner 2049 will be, that it's just. It's not really going to add anything of its own. It's just going to, you know, throw stuff in your face. Hey, remember this? Hey, remember this? And like all the Terminator movies yeah. I've gotten into. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's like, how do you how do you balance taking the influence from a great director like Ridley Scott and a great storyteller like Philip K. Dick, and then 
make something original out of that or, or add something meaningful to the mythos, I guess. It's really hard. I, cause, yeah, that's why I think you have to watch like the different versions of Blade Runner because you can see the theatrical def- the assembly director who's definitive, like all the eight different versions out there. The ones that include more of the shit from the book, like there is the, um, what's his name, Buster Friendly is like the modern kind of opiate of the masses technology. And then there's the um, Mercer the guy who pushed the rock up the hill and then like gets killed every time and it rolls back down, he has to push it up again, is um, Sisyphus, the Greek legend, yeah. the guy who's trying to push the rock up the hill. But you'd never know that without reading the book. And I think that the Harrison Ford Blade Runner, the old one, is a great adaptation, but even that lost some of the interesting religious subtext that you could put in the story. So I'm afraid that if you did Dune in 2018, it's going to be like, give me that Big Mac. I don't want any fucking lettuce. Right, like I just want the juicy parts yeah. about like people getting stabbed with the little gamja bars. Is that what they're called? Like those floating yeah. needle things? Yeah, <laughs> gamja bars. Yeah, right, like just, like, I don't want any of that political intrigue. I just want the, the needle sticks. Right, they don't want the reason why somebody's getting killed with it. They just right. want to see it happen. Just, I want to see some guy get eaten by a worm. Right? They, they, <laughs> they, it's, it's so unfortunate, the tendency to rush. Like even... Um, I watched that Amazon sh- uh, series Goliath with Billy Bob Thornton about trying to take down, he's the lawyer trying to take down the big company, and fuck, like, it was so good the first few episodes, and then they just, they rushed the ending. Mm-hmm. It was awful. Because they just, it's, they, they want that, that prime feeling of that euphoric feeling that you get from the, the, the meat of the episode. You, you said prime feeling. I know. About, I was like, to, I, talking about head. Amazon, I thought you were doing like a, you know, like a, it was like a subtle no, advertisement. No. It's like, yeah, because you get all this with Amazon Prime. No, actually, I was trying to attempt a double pun since it's both okay. meat and Amazon. You know, Whoa. Yeah. But to go back to, really quick, to go back to Grant's mm-hmm. comment about uh, sequels that, that don't really add much to the mythos. And I'm and I'm gonna put up my defensive shield now because for what I'm gonna say, <laughs> Star Wars. Are you anticipating me the attacking you or something? Yeah, okay. the new the new Star Wars, because uh, Episode Seven is a r- sort of rehash of Episode Four, but Rogue One. Rogue One is the new thing, the new injection to the mythos, the the clear, you know, that the series needed to get things rolling, get things going, get some more life into the series. And what do they do? They kill everybody off. So that, that way they have to redo it again and really inject it and really get it in there again. See, you know what? I will say that we, when Episode 7 came out, I've only seen it one time, but when it came out, we reviewed it and we were not very charitable to it because of that very thing, that mm-hmm. it seemed so derivative I have been thinking about that sometimes that, you know what, maybe I should watch it two or three more times and really think about it some more before I pass a really tough judgment on it. Because I feel like there may may have been some things that I missed about that movie and just the fact that I only saw it once and that I saw it for, there are definitely problems with it. Mm Mm-hmm. But I think that I let some of those things take over my opinion of it perhaps a little too much. And I'm only going to find that out by viewing it again. Yeah. So I have to get around to doing that. But I, I agree. I think Rogue One was just a missed opportunity. Like it, was, it could have been a cool story and they 
No. It just wasn't. No, I'm the opposite. Oh, I'm you think it was a cool I story? I thought it was yeah. a great story. I say okay. Matt, Matt is on the opposite okay, side. Well, yeah. I, okay, well, then I'm sorry. I no, misinterpreted. No, 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 the, the episode 7, I'm agreeing, is a rehash of episode 4. Matt's saying Rogue One is better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I will I, agree with you that it is. it is more... There is more originality, like pure originality in Rogue One. Mm-hmm. I just I just don't think it was executed very well. I think oh, they no, missed it was the ru- opportunity. I, it yeah, was rushed yeah. in the Indians, but we're, we're getting away from, from, from Dune because I really want to go back to the documentary. But, uh, but uh, just but to yeah, briefly yeah. stay on Rogue One, though, that's my point, though, is that how much that movie was reshot, reportedly like 80%, because the inside word is Disney saw it and said, this is not Star Wars, it's not, it's not funny, which they think Star Wars has to be funny for some reason, like Marvel movies full of quips and shit, but yeah. that's the studio note, like it's not funny, it's too dark, and you can see kind of the leftover pieces of that, like Han Sombrero shoots the dude in the beginning when he's like, I can't climb out of here, <laughs> and he's just like, oh, no problem, you're dead. Yeah. Like, or, he's, he's supposed to be kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, I guess... Roguish hero kind of thing? Revolutionary, he buys into the fucking shit, like... Yeah. He's down with killing people for the rebellion. He's cool with it. Interesting idea. The studio says, too dark. You got to put the funny robot in there, and the audiences want to see Darth Vader kill people. So they put that scene at the end where he's doing the pop and lock with the lightsaber. Cool scene. I enjoyed watching it, but that's what I'm afraid of with, you know, something like Dune, where it's like, oh, the audience doesn't, you know, the audience is getting bored, like... You know, cut in the parrot from Citizen Kane, like just squawking at you. Like, you got to wake him up, okay? Like, all this political shit about the spice, no one fucking cares. Like, it's, no one's died in five minutes, man. And, and that's why Dune has to be a TV show because mm, yeah. it, it, there's just no way. I mean, well, yes, there is a way, but we don't want to go that way. <laughs> we, there's always a way. Like four cliffhanger sequel movies. Yeah. Like, like yeah. Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows. No, no, I'm okay. thinking more like, oh, what was it? I just saw it, I just saw it recently. But like those movies where, um, oh, uh, like Independence Day Resurgence, mm-hmm. where they set up for the fact that, okay, guys, oh. Independence Day 3 is coming right oh, around the corner. The end. And then <laughs> nothing. I don't think that's like, going to happen like, now. Yeah, like, <laughs> Brent Spiner says, let's go kick some ass for yeah. to get the aliens. Yeah, yeah, like and so so we're gonna have this great we're gonna have this great like Dune Volume One and it's gonna end on like and here comes the and then it's gonna pause and then never gonna get the funding again because Disney or uh, well whoever at the, at this point has it will say uh, there's nothing cute or cuddly uh, and I hope to God they do not make the sandworms cute and cuddly. I think they'd probably end up making the sandworms like look more like the evil worm monsters from the Avengers, like big menacing, oh yeah, like okay. yeah. bone, like fishbone worm monster Warcraft looking things. Like I would it makes imagine sense in a desert environment. Yeah, though. they they would be dropping the blue filter on these guys and making it look like this is supposed to be you know, and they'd be walking through a canyon and have one jump over them or something and go, oh my god, that thing is like you know, a eighteen story building jumping over us. That's probably. What I think they would do, but I mean, the question is, how fast do they get to like? Now you're going to ride the sandworm, and you're going to use your powers to save the people of the desert. Yay! The one thing, though, that the documentary really makes clear, if you're talking about doing another Dune thing, is that whoever does this has an advantage. I mm-hmm. think mm-hmm. because huge advantage. Nobody ever made this vision of it, and it's all still there. It's sitting in a collection of books. And other artwork that I assume other people have. Oh, and reels of of uh, 
the director's notes, uh, what do they call it? The um, board, storyboards, storyboards, you know, animatic, animatics. Like, yeah, there's so much there. They can, it, it's pretty much complete. They just have to put it together. And even if they don't want to do exactly what he laid out in those storyboards, the vision is still there. Nobody's ever made it. They, they can, it's not like they're taking, you know, like, Giger's artwork and turning it into Alien and then turning that into Aliens where you mm. you know you really have to try very, very hard to make sure that you're not getting into that derivative problem and add something new. Like It's not derivative, I would say, because it just never was done, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really hope they don't take away the one thing that they start the documentary off with, with that great quote from Alexandra, which is, I wanted to make a film for... Uh, yeah, uh, it would be like a, it would be like being on LSD without the LSD. Like, <laughs> I wonder, like, would that work in today's? <laughs> Did you like that part where uh, where Dan O'Bannon, the writer, comes to see? Uh, Chadovarsky, and he's like, he's like, oh, I have some special weed marijuana for you. And he's like, oh boy. <laughs> I I wanted I want a I want a high quality gif of that scene. Okay, <laughs> that is like that is like my that would be like my go to for like Christmas or something like that. But like I brought you a gift. Oh boy. <laughs> yeah. It just the way he said it too. It's like uh, it just, it was pretty funny and. These are just guys kind of crazy, but in a really cool way. Yeah, because yeah. like they've tried to, you know, like non sci-fi wise, you know, like last year they brought the other guys, which is a crime detective movie. And the reason why I bring it up is because it's set in the seventies, and so there's these like kind of seventies elements to it. But there's clearly no drug references. I mean, there are drugs in the movie, but they don't go heavy duty on the psychedelic. The other guys. No, the uh, nice, nice guys. guys. Nice guys. The nice guys. That's, I remember that's that. Twice that's... now I've screwed up the title of a movie. I am but that horrible. was a fucking great movie. I that liked was, that. yeah. yeah. Uh, and I feel like, could we do something with Dune um, or that really gives it that trip, that, that, that drug experience, but without saying this is a drug experience without drugs? Like... Hmm. Oh, I think first step is just using the the color scheme that he has in all his designs. Yeah. Like that's that like seems heavy clearly metal, inspired like, by. Yeah. <laughs> but the other thing that I think is great about his vision, though, is that it it may not have been like a straight adaptation of the book, like word for word or anything. But it didn't get into the business of asking and answering any questions we don't give a shit about. Like it was supposed to be a weird experience telling you the basic story of Dune. Yeah. Not supposed to be an in-depth explanation of, like, how the shield works or something. Exactly. And the whole fact that he came, when he went to the producer, he said he wanted to create a grand adventure, a grand story, a grand movie. And the guy said, well, what kind of movie do you want to make? Emphasis on what kind. So the producer, the editor, was thinking of it as a genre. Like, what kind of genre do you want to make? Mm-hmm. And Jabarowski's answer was Dune. Mm. It, wasn't, it wasn't a genre. It wasn't science fiction, and I want to make Dune. It wasn't, I want to make an action film, and I want to use Dune. He just said Dune. Dune is a genre <laughs> to him. And that's what I think we need to keep with. Even if we can't we keep that, if that's the one thing we can take away from that, that would be great, is making sure that whoever makes this with that influence keeps Dune less of a title and more of a genre. 
you know, what, what, what would happen in Dune, kind of, you know, what would Dune do, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Know. And he, one, it's, it's cool to see how the vision came about, not only the way he interpreted the source material, but how he added his own personal flair to the design, and then also, like, his own, he added things to the story very experienced like he was talking about that um like they use like a pinprick with a drop of blood to like make the child for um what's her name lady jessica oh and yeah they that use was... like a pinprick of duke leto's blood to you know and then she's carrying the blood and that became the child or whatever and it's like he and he was really focused i noticed in the, on um the imagery of that not like the scientific crap behind that but the imagery of it and i thought that that was a very cool thing that he added in there which nowhere to be seen in the book but it's a really neat concept well i also took it as a way for him to interject the religious without being Mm. overhanded a drop of blood makes a human this this blood is my body and it is making the body of you you know that is straight out of jesus talk right there you know so right uh yeah so I, i really like that idea i also, just like the ship designs, the the very like, you know, um, just how how he described the ships with the tongues coming out for the landing crafts and everything, like just how I've I can't remember the last time I've seen an interview of a director who's been so excited for something that was taken away from him. Yeah. Yeah, every director that's true. ever had a project pulled from underneath them talks about it as like, "Oh, I wish I could have done this. I wish I could have done that." He, honestly, I think he believes he did make this movie because <laughs> the way he talks about it, yeah. as if it's like, "What? You guys don't go down to your local blockbuster and pick up a copy of this? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like this isn't like on Blu-ray, you know?" Because like, he's so wrapped up in the universe, and he's so this has been his baby for so long that. Um, you know, he can't imagine not talking about it, not emphasizing that. So, which is why if we're going to do this, if people are going to make another movie, we need to do it now while he's alive. So even if he's not a director, because I don't want him as a director, he's a little too cuckoo. Uh, I would want him to at least be like visual specialist or visual um, um they they have it for like the military movies, a uh, special role. It's like a military advisor, visual advisor. There we go, visual advisor. Just yeah, like a producer or something, yeah. you know, and just a producer who's very hands on, maybe, mm-hmm. and just definitely, very, definitely. You know, I think I think that a project like this needs that, and I I'm glad you brought that up, just how passionate he was, because that was another great part of this that I liked, is you know how passionate he was about getting this made, and then how sad he was when they took it away from him and just how connected to it he still is. I, I really always like seeing filmmakers and just artists in general like exploring that part of the mindset because uh, that's something you don't get any place else. But I also love his his whole say la vie mindset, you know, like when he discusses them taking away from him, you can sense the emotion, his anger, but he doesn't show it. He just kind of he kind of fights it a little bit. Right. He just kind of tells you, he's yeah. like, this is what happened. 
I did not enjoy it. But I did it's not there. Like it, but it breaks my heart. Because he told that story about going to see the David Lynch one in 1984, yeah. and he was so worried about it. And then he started. He said he started smiling when it started playing because it was shit in his <laughs> words. <laughs> so he's like, "Oh, it's okay. We, you know, I still have a chance to get my vision on there because this is so bad." I don't know about mm. you guys, but I would love to have seen his reaction in person to when he saw David Lynch's film, just to see him like, oh, be vindicated that it's like, okay, well, you know, I still won it out at the end. I made a better film. I mean, I... yeah. It, yes and no. Like, I, I would understand his perspective if he came with that, but it's mm. like, David Lynch still got his movie made, man. Like, that that is the only drug... I would say negative or drawback to being such an artist is that when you do come up against like the immovable object of the accountants or the embedded like Hollywood executives who think they're actually producers, mm -hmm. you, if you don't play the game, you don't get the little chips to move yourself along. If you get stuck, like if you're going to be an outsider, you I mean, you kind of pay the price sometimes and he paid a pretty huge price. He got his project taken away from him. That's, that's the whole part of the making films and art though especially films you have to accept that people are going to change things about your story whether, and if you can't yeah. accept it then what happens yeah. is they say well we're not going to make it and then you get somebody who's like more pliant like uh you know david lynch who's like i want to make a weird movie and it's like okay great okay yeah make a weird movie in these confines yeah. of this box <laughs> right yeah this uh, is your universe but uh, the one good thing about him not getting this film being made was the fact that we got he went into comics. Like, I don't mm -hmm. know if you guys really looked into his comic history of writing comics. No. Oh, uh, man. <laughs> so he wrote a series of comics. Uh, and maybe, yeah, he wrote these. Um, and it's, I think it's called The Masterminds. And it is pretty much Dune. Like, it, it, is, it, is, it is just a continuation of that... Um, Dune genre idea I had a while back where it's like you can see that he really got to carry out more of his thinking that he had applied to Dune in this series and it's massive two volumes French comic book that is in English now but like it's massive series of uh, and it's all about like uh, psychology and and, and like I don't know, it's very hard to describe. <laughs> like I've, I'm only like, I'm not even through the first chapter, and it's just like, it's did like, did you get that after seeing this documentary? Mm -hmm. Or okay, yeah. wow, that's cool. Yeah, like I went. Um, there's a website you can order all of his comics with English, and uh, it's great. Like I uh, now this this copy this copy I, I'm reading right now I got from a friend, but. I'm gonna go buy my own copy because it's only volume. He only has volume one, and there's eight volumes, I think. Okay. So, well, that's a lot. So. Yeah. Well, yeah, it sounds wow. like a lot. This yeah. sounds like one of those Chinese cartoons. Uh, like a manga, but it's Japanese. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. That's why I call them Chinese cartoons. Uh, it upsets Justin greatly. So if you I know, really, like, I really got to come back for a Justin episode <laughs> now because, like, the intro alone and that little corp, I just and the fact that I listened to last week's episode and just the intro to that, I just, I, I, I really need to be here for a Justin. Well, episode. he's dead, so he's dead. Yeah. So we'll see what we can do about that. But yeah. we'll get Superman to fly around Earth and 
right? I mean, this is how it works, guys, right? Maybe we could launch some like and radioactive we, stuff into the sun and Justin be like nuclear man. And we could just have him come back even go, go even faster and just yeah. bring back all my pets from when nuclear my man versus Superman on the moon is one of the greater moments in this should not have been filmed film history. Yes. Yes. Or when like he flies around the subway and nobody's looking at him when he flies around. Well, no one looks. Have well, you been to the New York subway? I think that's no one a, looks that's at people. Equivalent in the New York to subway. the RoboCop three jetpack scene. Yeah, yeah, probably. yeah. It's pretty close. Just uh, oh, oh I, another movie example though. While we're talking about sequels that did not need to be made, is fucking RoboCop twenty fourteen or whatever the fuck that was. Oh yeah, that was. Well, he, he, I think yeah. that's a good example. It didn't add anything new. No, but it was a watered down version of the original. Right. It wasn't like. Paul Verhoeven is a great example of a director who has a voice. Mm-hmm. You and, know a Paul Verhoeven film when you see one, yeah. right? Yeah. And it's like I, when I was a kid, I thought Starship Troopers was a serious movie. I didn't get the satire, mm-hmm. so I liked it on that basis. But then as I got older, I got the satire. It's like, oh, wow, great! But you you can tell Paul Verhoeven's voice is present in RoboCop too. Like, you know the the car they're advertising is a piece of shit. Detroit's a fucking mess. The Delta City's not really going to fix anything. Wait, I, I thought you talked about RoboCop, not today's politics. <laughs> I mean, at this point, deploying RoboCop into Detroit would probably be a net gain. But it, it, the movie's like, it's a hyper-exaggeration of like, uh, you know, the insane um, Iron Triangle corporate politics interlock. Like, great, we don't have a police department anymore. I got this company to do it. They're going to build this big city for all the fucking scum to live in awesome and everyone's like ah i love it and they're all doing coke in the 80s go-go kind of way well you know him because of the like the over-the-top violence yeah exactly like, yeah. It's, it's like it's, his thing you watch total, total Re- recall. You, you watch total recall and you just know it's him because it's like oh this is a paul verhoeven movie because of all the blood bags exploding yeah. under people's skin and stuff and you know like oh that's his voice because it's that's his critique hmm? that's his critique of us Americans, <laughs> so, especially in Total Recall, right? Yeah, like you know, oh, we're trying to mine the Tribidium, but these fucking rebels and their weird religion are fucking up all our shit all the time. God damn it! And yeah, <laughs> just trying to make some money here. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa! I just, I just blew my mind. I just thought of it like that's the Native Americans versus oil in the Sioux thing. You know? Yeah. Ex- exactly. It's I know. Like, it's like. Oh, Taking the natural resources and the, the fat miner guy who's yeah. like the Americans, like, yeah, they dug up some weird alien shit and they closed the whole mine down. Like, so he's mad they found like the Navajo graveyard because now he can't lay the pipe to get paid for his construction job. Fuck those engines. Like, right. It's like, so perfect. I know. It's, <laughs> and that's, you, I'm even losing my train of thought now because like we're, yeah, when this you, is working. When you go back to Jodorowsky, you know, that's like, you can tell like that that would be. A singular vision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would be like if that had been made, it'd be like, oh, there would be more Jodorowsky movies that we would have seen that would have been, um, you know, we would have said, oh, that's the Jodorowsky style, and you know it when you see it, like the Verhoeven mm-hmm. style. And I was thinking too, if like Valerian does well in theaters, maybe yeah. now <sighs> they would start adapting like more of. Um, I know it's not his work, but you know it's the, it's not a big leap. It's a no. fr- it's also a French comic book, so they oh, can no. go right to him. Like literally, I'm reading Valerian right now. That's the comic I'm reading along with other ones in my comic app. But when is that movie out? June thirtieth. 
it's close. It's the end of this month. It's, it's either the end of this month or the beginning of next month, so it's, it's pretty close. Yeah. But um, We're organizing an expedition with Justin then. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I got, yeah, definitely. Because uh, like I said, like I'm reading the book now, and uh, when I picked up the copy of Masterminds, the hmm. Jabrowski comic, it is almost the same. No, no, it's not almost the same. But it's like... The art direction, the stylings, the drawings, you can tell this came from that same French New Wave period that we got, you know, all other kinds of great art forms for. Um, or like uh, we were talking the other week, I don't know if you listened to this one, we talked about uh, Dread and mm-hmm. Judge Dread. I was just going to bring that up, yeah. saying that like, I, wait, mm-hmm. I don't remember what you guys said about it, but mm-hmm. I, I'm on the side of uh, that it was good, that the new one was better. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. Okay. Great. And uh, that's okay. what I was saying. Like, <laughs> like the the comic books, the comic strips for Judge Dredd are are it's a British yeah. thing, and the vision that was portrayed in the movie Dredd much similar, much more similar to the comic strips than Judge Dredd, which is like a fucking parody of a parody of itself. I always get <laughs> Judge Dredd the Stallone cut. Mm. I always get that one mixed with uh, Demolition Man. They're basically they're the same movie. yeah. movies, yeah. Because yeah. like I always, I always attribute the quote of like, "You gotta try this hamburger," and it's like, <laughs> "Do you see any cows here?" And within the sewer, and it turns out that's Demolition Man. But yeah. for like, since I saw Dread, I have thought that's a Dread quote, and I was like, "Well, Dread he talks." And he well, Rob whole... Schneider's in both of those movies, so <sighs> you have to account for that factor. I think yeah. Judge Dredd is a. <clears throat> I have more fun watching Judge Dredd than I do watching Dread. Oh yeah, easily. because of how bad it is. But I think Dread is definitely a better movie, especially in that he goes there to shut down the drug dealing operation, accomplishes it with maximum violence, which mm-hmm. is appropriate because they're trying to kill him, and then he leaves. Yeah, well, and I love, <laughs> and it's my favorite movie for uh, what it feels like to take drugs. Like that, how they emphasize, how they mm. show the slowdown and the, and like the colors changing and everything like that. I mean, that is. It's really right good. On the it's money. really good cinematography. Yeah, and that like just that one scene where she gets dropped off the top. It's got the. <clears throat> I think we talked about this when we actually talked about the Paul Verhoeven kind of thing too, though, where all the people get killed and. Then they got the little cart that takes the bodies to the recycling plant so people can, you know, they can silent green them. And it's just like the little cart, like, hold on, the food court's going to open again in 10 minutes. Just yeah. hold on, hold on. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, you bring that up, and I'm glad you brought that up because I was reading an article today about how uh, science is uh, really worried about a, a, a pyron disease um, that stems from the British mad cow disease that came out in the 90s. Mm-hmm. That it's going to attack humans at some point. It's going to become a human mad cow, mad human disease, basically. They're well, we that... we lived there during that, and oh, yeah. so we're potentially have mad cow. Yeah, disease, you guys so. can't. Technically, you guys can't give blood. <laughs> right, yeah, the, the prions uh, don't go away. Is the problem? But, yeah, I mean, so, so I it's I, jumping from cows. It's not Kruchfeld's Jacobs disease. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, well, that's that's this one article. I mean, but I just think it's interesting that you mentioned the the. The Soylent Green, the feeding the people, like you could play that off now and make it turn into like that. That is along with the spice is what's causing 
you know, one side of the populace to become these like overarching cult-like figurines of mass, you know, just egotistical paranoia. And then you have these Freemans who just want to lay out in the desert and not have any issues and just do spice all day. Do they even do spice? I thought... Or no, do, but you know in the new one they're just, going to have to do it. Like they're going to have to. They're going to have to. But wasn't I, the whole thing with the Freeman is that like they don't actually use oh, the spice like that? It's, yeah, it's like it's just part of them because mm. it's in everything. They yeah, just it's, like it's, breathe it they, in. They don't consider it special. It's like just it's imbued into them because they're they are of the desert of the spice. Like that's yeah. Right it's, it's, it's the it's the Rastafarian attempt of, of of spice. It's like it's not. It's not, I don't do it, it's just part of me. Right, and they don't fucking care about, like, all the spacing guild and all that shit because they live on Arrakis, and that's it. I mean, it, in some ways, they take the place of your usual, like, religious natives in your movie, but their religion is, um, I don't even know what you'd call it. It's like mysticism. It's not even really a religion. A- animalism is... Or uh, yeah, mysticism, animalism, shamanism is a term. Oh, right? shamanism, yeah, yeah. That, that's a good term. They're like a, a shamanic, shamanic tribe or whatever the yeah. proper term is. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to, and um, visually, uh, to go back to that again, mm-hmm. the visual concepts of directors. We talk about Berhoven and Wodarski. Um The one thing I took away from the documentary that I didn't think at all during Lynch and during the miniseries, and I think I would get from if I read the book would be a sense that maybe James Cameron could do this series justice in a sense that he may not give us the perfect Dune movie, but in terms of creating a large universe of like complex things going on in the backgrounds that only fans will really know or really get, that might be up his alley. I mean, the whole science aspect of it, like making sure it's all, I don't know. I, I want to see more James. Maybe Cameron when movies. he's done making, <laughs> maybe when he's done making Avatar, yeah. like nine and ten. He's busy on Avatar. You know oh. who's free though? Who's also successfully rebooted two other franchises that were boring and stale and old? George Lucas. No. Oh. J.J. Abrams. J.J. <sighs> Abrams is Dune. Think about how many lens flares you can pack into a desert shot of a sandworm. It would look like it would look like a, a scene from like Club Fifty Four when they accidentally shine the 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 light on the disco ball directly. <laughs> I mean, it's like it's. I'm, I'm sure the worm's going to come out of ground. and They're going to do the rubber band slow mo of the worm jumping over them in the desert or something. It's like, <laughs> or like free, or uh, wait, like, like free willing with like. <clears throat> but like the speed up slow down like rubber band like Zack Snyder thing. And the oh worm right. Just like goes like super slow and they look up and like oh my god. Then it speeds back up and it's like what was that. The palace on Arrakis would look like it was designed by Apple. Yeah, <laughs> all white and it's stuff. Like and the new bridge of the Enterprise, and everybody's like, gonna yeah. be wearing like white smocks and shit, and have <clears throat> clipboards walking around. Like, oh, you're here to see the Duke, of course, right this way. Let me check my Apple Watch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. George Lucas isn't doing anything. I mean, who, well, days. it's a, it's a question of the like. I'll, I'll pop quiz you. Who directed Superman Returns? Not Man of Steel. Superman Returns. Oh, um, I have no idea. It was. Uh, Brian's X Men. Oh, Brian, Brian Singer. Singer. Yeah. Brian mm-hmm. Singer. Yes. Oh, right. Right. So, whatever happened to Brian Singer? Is um, he still doing shit? He's space? still making X Men movies. Yeah. They're still making X Men. I, yeah. I, I'm sorry. I like. I've. Uh, that's another. Oh, Logan's highly recommended. I know. I. I. It's. <clears throat> I. I have it. I have it. On, it's sitting on my desk. 
it's next in line. They'll be watched. I just Singer didn't do Logan though, right? No, no, no. He no. just he just did the last two like main series X Men Days of Future Past and, and um, Apocalypse. Apocalypse, yeah. yeah. Which, uh, unfortunately, I think I stopped at three. So. Oh, oh, Days of Future Past is all right. Apocalypse is. Um, no way. I, I think I saw Days of Future Past because that was when they went back in time. It was the younger Magneto and younger Charles Xavier. Yeah. And Wolverine's there. Yeah. Too. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. that first, made that. First class. Yeah, first mm. class. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot about first okay, class. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I, I've seen those. I just. They didn't leave a lasting impression, apparently. I, was, I, did get the, I did get the joke in Deadpool, though, when they said, I'm taking you back to Professor X. And he was like, which one? The younger one or the older one? Yeah. <laughs> so. I mean, it is true, though. He does look like the Heaven's Gate guy. He does. Yeah. Especially good, good when reference his, too. Heaven's his Gate. De aging makeup on. Like when do you ever see um Wolverine or X Men Origins Wolverine? Is that the one where he's oh, like he's standing up by the helicopter? He's like, Hello, I'm well, yeah, when the, when, oh, yeah, when yeah. the kids <laughs> escape the fucking underground prison, yeah. it's it's him standing up as a bald dude with like the CGI's face smoothing goo on. Just like, Oh, come to my jet, children and they're all just like, Yes, escape. I just couldn't get over that whole scene of just lumberjack porn in uh, Wolverine. Um, so Wolverine. That, you, and then them fighting, uh, oh, teleporting no. Ryan I only Reynolds. saw the lumberjack scene. Like, I, <laughs> I, I just knew right then and there. I'm like, nope. Oh. No. I, I'll because, tell you, nope, man, is the Gambit scene. Oh, they, 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 they brought out Gambit? Oh, holy shit, yeah. <laughs> See, oh, that's I'm, bad, glad, I'm glad I'm glad I because like Gambit was my favorite character back in the day. It's some fucking British loser. <sighs> I don't even know what his name is. Played him. He has to be a Cajun gambler. That is that is that is who he is. He just comes off like an alcoholic douchebag. Is what he comes off like, and he like tries to kill Wolverine, and then ends up flying him on his shitty Bayou plane to the nuclear power plant, where Wolverine fights Ryan Reynolds. Who's I, now the Deadpool? Yeah. They just combined all the mutant powers into him <laughs> with magic. Yeah. But yeah. My, my point in saying all this, though, is that if you take a franchise like X Men that has a putatively singular column of source material, which is the X Men comics, whatever version of those you're going to be using, do you have different people's different approaches? You get Brian Singer, who's apparently fucking forgettable, which, yes. He is, really. I, I mean, I forgot about him. I mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it's like, mm, none of this really stuck. So, And I still consider myself a sci-fi nerd. And I think that that's the danger, though, is we're talking about people who are, have such a strong voice their movies never get made, but the people who are just like the Brian Singer, Brett Ratners of the world, like... <laughs> Brett Ratner. You know, like, what do you want? <laughs> Rush Hour 5. <laughs> Rush Hour, like, that's what I want. <laughs> yeah. It's like, we want to make Rush Hour 3. Who can we call? Uh, Brett Ratner. Chris Tucker needs more money. <laughs> right. Chris Whatever Tucker's happened. lawyer's on the phone like, yeah, Chris is going to go to prison for 30 years for tax <laughs> evasion, so... We need to pay off the government really fast. <laughs> uh, real, just real quick to touch on the Gambit thing. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy should, should play Gambit, even though I know it's an Australian. I'm just saying. Based on his... Limited role in the horrific Oscar-winning Suicide Squad. Uh, Who was he in that movie? Boomerang Man. Captain Boomerang. Oh, 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 Bane. Bane. You're talking about Bane. Okay. <laughs> I only, I only yes. know it's Bane. <laughs> yes, yes. Yeah. We are big fans of the Bane plane scene here. Oh, no. I am, too. <laughs> uh, let, me tell you, let me tell you a story, actually. I have to tell you this story because I want it on record. I used to, when I used to be a hotel manager, my co-manager was this great guy. 
I won't name names or anything, but he was a great guy, and he loved that movie. He <laughs> adored that movie. Like, that actually mo- liked it? He, he would put, he had ripped it to DVD on a loop, so it would never stop playing, and he would just had it play in his gym while he worked out. So every time he went to the gym to work out, it was just the movie playing. Did he have like his own gym or something? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. Making sure. <laughs> no, no. He's kind of weird if he was just yeah, he put just, it on TV that other people were watching and just started playing. I mean, I wouldn't put it past him with the personality he has. But for the longest time when we were working, like whenever I would ask him a question or I would have to come with him with some serious matter about like how we can't do something, hmm. he would give me word for word Bane's speech. To the guy who's like, you can't do this. And he's like, I can't do this justice. But every time, every time I worked with him, even on the phone talking to another manager, you would hear him go, go, you know, you know, uh, this is not the hotel you want. (laughs) You know, and he just. Are you feeling charged? (laughs) You know, like, uh, uh, checkout time is at noon, not 11. (laughs) You know, like, that was just his whole thing, was doing the Bane voice for anything he could do. Too many carbs. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, yeah, and he would, like, leave voicemails for me. He'd be like, you know, like, you missed the meeting today. There were donuts in the, you know, like, it was, and so whenever I see Bane, I just see him Mm. doing Bane. And you know what? Mm. It's so much better. <laughs> Have you ever read the uh, CAA wiki? It's a long, drawn-out uh, custom wiki that explains how a CAA man on the airplane who Bane kills is actually related to Peter Baelish. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I know what I'm going to do tonight after dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> do Can you I... feel in charge? Be extremely painful for you. I, I I still love that Bane voice. I but just... we we call it Bane dialogue because it shows up. Sorry, it shows up sometimes. Like yeah. in uh, Rogue One, the trailer, we all made fun of that because it was like, "I want you to steal the Death Star plans," and then she's like, "Oh, it'll be super dangerous." And then Mon Mothma's like, "For you," you know? Yeah. Oh yeah. It's like uh... <laughs> just like oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> when, where else does that pop up? I'm like, no. Bane's just become like a meme now. It's mm. like there's a Bane porn where some guy yeah. like wears like he and his whole family wear the Bane, Bane masks, masks and yeah. stuff and is telling Wait, his son about like the Bane mask from the yes. Tom Hardy movie or yes. the Bane mask from the animated series. The Tom Hardy movie. Oh, okay. And they talk in his voice too. Uh, they all I, do their Bane impressions. Cuz I uh my friend went to I think it was like Phoenix Comic Con or one of the Comic Cons out west, not the big one out San Diego. Yeah. And there was a Bane walking around as animated Bat- Batman, the animated series mm-hmm. Bane, yeah, but only doing the Bane voice from Tom Hardy. <laughs> and he said it was like the weirdest, like so he had like the spiked collar, yeah, with like, with, like the tube coming, yeah, out with, the and, and like the bubbling backpack, yeah, and, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then it's like you like my bubbling backpack, <laughs> but yeah, so I like Bane too. Bane's great. Bane is great. No, it's 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 totally cool. Like that Bane has infiltrated many of our podcasts and podcasts he has nothing to do with, but he's he's made his way into them, right? I, because there, there is that like awkward kind of dialogue like who writes the exchange that like, you know, was getting caught part of your plan. Yes, what's the next step in your plan? Crashing this plane with no survivors and like he just breaks his handcuffs or even before that like, you know, you know, um 
if I pull that mask off, would it hurt? It would be extremely painful. You're a big guy. For you, like, who fucking says that? I, like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, that, and when it comes up in other movies, you think, like, who the fuck writes this shit? It must be the Bane guy. I think, gentlemen, we have a new idea for something. <laughs> and I can't believe you haven't thought of it yet. Hmm. We do riff tracks, but only as Bane. <laughs> So oh, Bane. I thought you were going to say, say, like, Bane's Dune or something like no. that. Oh, no. <laughs> I, I retract is, that. Bane is Paul Atreides. I, I hate sand. It gets everywhere. <laughs> Arrakis. <laughs> it's extremely painful. Yeah. It's in my mask. He'll be like, Arrakis. Yeah. Bane. <laughs> uh, no. Uh, Dune. No. no. A uh, Bane, like, where either you replace... Like, you take the film and you edit in the Bane voice into a random scene and see if someone picks up on it. Or you just have Bane commentary throughout the entire movie. I think Bane commentary would be probably <laughs> the more enjoyable. Bane commentary on something that really deserves it. Like, you know, X-Men Origins, Wolverine or something. Yeah. I think it should start off with Batman versus Superman. Just because he's not in it. And it's a revamp of, you know, his Batman movies and stuff like that. I mean, yes, it's true. <laughs> yeah. And Ben Affleck has used CrossFit to recover from his back-breaking injury at the hands of Bane. Yes, he has. Wait. But, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think about it for a second. It's like, I, the, the thought of Ben Affleck doing CrossFit, just, I just picture a man on a, on a Nordic track just pumping away at it. <laughs> no, he's doing his obnoxious CrossFit where he's whipping his chains and his tire around his bat cave. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's making his big spear that he throws in the water and then tells Lois Lane, like, go get the spear. We might need it. And she's like, all right, I know where it is, even though I don't. I used to work at a gym that had two giant chains. And I yeah. remember after that movie, after that came out, like for a good two weeks, you just hear, do, 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 do. and then like, I'm Batman. Do, 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 do. <laughs> like, they would make like some joke and uh, I hated it. It's the worst. Battle ropes. Yeah. Battle ropes. Yeah. Yep. So I don't want to shortchange you Clark, because you were saying something uh, before we got in this great conversation about Bane. <laughs> <laughs> you were saying something about like people who get their visions made versus people like Jodorowsky. Oh, yeah. Like, that was a good yeah. thing. We should go back to that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's that there's, the, the danger is if you're too much, you have, your voice is too strong, uh, your vision doesn't get made, and then you have people who are like, I was saying the Brett Ratners of the world who are like, oh, Rush Hour 3, great. What do I do? Like, Just tell me what you want me to film, and I'll send you the dailies, and we'll, you know, like, whatever the studio wants, well, you'll get. And then you have weird, like, I don't know. What do you do? What's the, well, how do you win in that situation? Because the only real, real way to go now, I guess, is to go to somebody like Netflix or Amazon who has no like. As long as you know you can put Pringles cans in the shot, you can get part of your money. Like you know what I mean? There's not. But the environment, I think you're right. You you do go to one of those places because they want original stuff and they're looking actively for it, and that's what's really great about it's changing now mm. that I was talking about this with somebody the other day that the number of like speculative scripts that are being sold in Hollywood is now steadily rising again mm -hmm. after many years of being like in this, you know, single or double digit sales, which is pretty low. Yeah. You know, and now it's rising again because there's all this demand for like original stories and original visions and 
So I think if they're going to make anything like a new Dune, now is probably a really good time because you got Netflix, Amazon, Apple's going to be doing it too. And yeah, I would, yeah. I would prefer based on what we've seen already. So we have uh, the Crown from Netflix as mm-hmm. I think one of their bigger period dramas that has made it. Um, there's a few more that they've done that just haven't really surfaced. Um, then you have Amazon's period piece, which I think is uh, would have to be the Man from High Castle. Uh, set during World War II. And then Hulu has um, the Handmaid's Tale. And that's set in a post-apocalyptic future. So each of these services has the ability to do it. Just based on what we see now, I would rather have Hulu or Amazon do it. Just because I I fear Netflix would just try to rush it. Even though Amazon is known to rush things, Mm. They at least, um, I don't know. I, I feel like they just. It works out. It works out, yeah. I That's mean, the best way of saying Bosch it. Bosch has come yeah. out on like the same week for three years now. Yeah. And, and they are willing to take risks. That's mm-hmm. what I noticed with them. And, and you can not see just Amazon. In a, huge, in a huge style change, not, not style change, a huge difference in, in ability in the style. Between uh, Man in High Castle Volume One and Man in High Castle Volume Two, just based on the fact that they got more funding for it because of how well it did the first time around, and so, they're willing to be hands off. Yeah, yeah. So I'm willing to let the first Dune season be a little rough around the edges, just so that we can give these guys as much time to really work on two and three. Because um, I don't know if you guys have seen The Handmaid's Tale. I've only seen one episode so far, but it's it's beautifully shot. Like, it's it's wonderfully shot. So that's on Hulu. Hulu. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so I haven't. I've read the book, but I have yeah. not seen. It's this. time for a quiz here. As we talk yeah. about how Amazon is going to take a risk here. Yeah. What do you think 2016 total Hollywood box office revenue was? What would you guess? International or domestic. Um. Because that's very important. That know. is an excellent question. <laughs> it's the North American box office. Looks okay. like. Um, I have no idea. Just many billions. Uh, I'm just gonna say X is greater than a hundred billion. Mm-mm. Nope. Eleven point three. Eleven point three billion. Mm-hmm. But that and that's just for the films themselves. Yes, but like, my my point is, what do you yeah. think Amazon's revenue for the same year was? I'm gonna go back to my original answer of over a hundred billion. Thirty billion. Grant's closer. It's forty-three. So forty-three point some billion dollars coming through the company. Not all profit, fine, but right. to have like Hollywood's like trying to. I guess as shitty as the new Transformers movie is, it's their only safe bet. I think that's what their feeling is. Whereas Amazon's like, I sell a hundred bags of chips and some sodas and stuff, and. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. they have so much fucking money coming in all the goddamn time that spending $10 million on a series to do it right is like, pff, yeah, sure, fine, great, do it. Well, yeah. Go back to what you said, Grant, earlier about how the Emperor's Castle would be the new uh, product from Apple. Um, if JJ directed if JJ it. JJ directed it. It'd be the HomePod. Yeah, it would be the HomePod, yeah. Right. He'd have five of them. <laughs> He'd have five, He'd, one in yeah. every room. Right, well, one well, in every room, Phil Schiller. And the and the uh, the columns will be Mac Pros. Uh Oh, the trash cans. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, what if the actual trash cans were Mac Pros? 
like just you, just the shell remnants. Imagine like, how often you had to throw the trash out. Though. But they they like the, they rejected technology, so they just took the case and made it into a trash can and just got rid of the insides. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, that's perfect. Um, is if we could combine forces, have Amazon have Amazon have control over the production, and then cut a deal with Apple on distribution. They already cut a deal. Oh, they did. Yeah, yeah. Amazon, Amazon stuff is on Apple's. Amazon Prime is the app is coming to. Oh, Apple yeah, TV. I did see that. Okay, so yeah, Prime I, Video is now being distributed through Apple TV later well, this year. Okay, so yeah. my idea is perfect then for this is because if we could have Apple put up the money, because as we know, Apple is just you know making money left and right. They yeah, they make Amazon look like children. Yeah, is have them fund the movie in return for. I would be fine with like ten year hold on distribution. Like it's the only way to get it is through Apple because Dune is one of those movies where I don't think it's going to be this or sorry Dune is going to be one of these series that's going to draw in lots of people, but it's going to draw in a lot of faithful people over time. So if they were able to hold on for like a Hong Kong like tendency of like you know not a hundred years but like ten years, they would see their return on investment. Hopefully. Yeah. Hopefully. <laughs> I mean, because, you, you know, the only other place you're going to go is the studios in Hollywood keep getting bigger because they have to. And, you know, like a Walt Disney is the only studio that can really, if they wanted to, afford to take risks on films because they can lose that money because they have the film revenue coming in and they have they make a ton of money and merchandise and it's Parks. it's a money minting yeah. machine. So the only the only thing that uh, my biggest red flag well actually there's thousands upon thousands of red flags why I don't want Disney to make Dune. The biggest one is John Carter from Mars. Now you don't want to go to Dune World. No, I want to go to Dune. That's fine, okay. but they don't own Avatar, though, do they? No, no. They so, just they just. Cut a deal with yeah. James Cameron to license the license IP, so the IP for that. Dune World. Right? Yeah, 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 that man. that I'm I'm fine with. But I'm just I'm just saying that they would make it into like that Disney would be. Oh, I really do want Dune World though. Okay, never mind. Let's let's do Dune World if we can get Dune World out. If that if that's if that's part of the agreement. See, my my fear with Disney though is one of the reasons why Rogue One didn't work for me is on the same point. It's like they answered a question that I never asked. Because it's like, how did they get the Death Star plans? I don't know. They got them transmitted to the ship, and Princess Leia and R two D two had them. I didn't really need to know that. Yeah. So my, I'm, it, I'm afraid that like if they got a new property like Dune, much like they done with Marvel, they'd be like, remember that guy in the background? He's actually Thanos. He's just having some coffee now. But you, you watch. He's gonna <laughs> be back. Like, I, no, you're right. You're right. I, Disney's got a real tendency to start digging in there and like, ooh. Although they have done a very good job with the Marvel universe. I think that overall, that could have been a huge disaster. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people yeah, thought it definitely. was going to be when they bought Marvel. And they've, they've made it twice, five times what yeah. it was before. That oh, I mean, it was way. like close to being bankrupt before Disney took it. And but they, the, I, there's a lot more diversity in the range inside Marvel under the umbrella. So Dune was like <clears throat> Dune's confined to its own mythos, kind of. Yeah. So it wouldn't be that big of a problem. But like personally, for me now, the Marvel movies have a lot of characters, and I can keep track of them within their own franchises. But see, I, I I'm the, having a hard time keeping track of the Marvel characters. I, I am too. I'm so yeah. saying like the inevitable merger here, because like oh man, I I just don't want to see Dune go down to like the level of just 
fucking retarded bullshit for the purposes of having a three-part movie Disney can stretch out and make a shitload of money off of. What I'm worried about is something that you shouldn't worry about at this stage, but is that, you know, uh, all the major actors in Marvel, their contracts are up. Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to get new people. Because you know Chris Pine, not Chris Pine. um, Evans. Evans. God, so many beautiful men named Chris in Hollywood nowadays just playing the same goddamn stereotype character. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, it's 2017, guys. No, be, you, be okay with no, that. No, it's, it's totally okay. He's a good-looking dude. You can say it. You saw the helicopter yeah. scene. You're welcome. Sure. Um, but so, Oh, for the biceps? Yeah, like, oh, come on. Like, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, so you know he's not going to want to do this forever. I mean, I think he should do this forever. But you know he's not going to. No, I mean, yeah, it's true. So, so it's but worse now. Yeah, so <laughs> that so that means we're gonna get someone else, and then it's not gonna be the same. And like I just, Dune needs to be a solidified universe. Let's get it going, get it taken care of, so that when it comes time to make Children of Dune or the war on dune or i'm not sure what the third book is called or the fourth book i just like the thing you guys right the thing you guys have been saying just make it for tv make it have showtime or somebody independent uh make it like that have it be a game of thrones style serial like that and don't separate it into like dune children of dune just take the story right just take the (laughs) stories and just keep making a series that keeps going on and adapting or writing their own source material after a certain point and just have it keep have it be this grand like adventure soap opera thing that takes place in future space. Yeah. Well, yeah. make it into a modern yeah. day soap opera. I mean, that's like, I'm honestly know. surprised that uh if there hasn't been any interest, I would be surprised about that from the Sci-Fi Channel now about doing <laughs> more stuff with Dune because now if you haven't noticed they're on this like, you know, we're they're on a renaissance pitch now like they have a new logo and they have a new uh, slate of shows they've they've largely gotten rid of all of the crap reality stuff and shit that was dominating them for many years uh, and uh, and they're trying with original programming not all of it is good but some things on there are worth watching and i mean i would be surprised if they're not trying behind the scenes to get this because they they've been like making a really big pitch to sci-fi fans about like hey come back come back we're actually the rather, sci-fi channel now i, I would rather have the cw dude do the cw the sci- <laughs> than, than do the sci-fi cuz they just lost your trust completely no they haven't they're just it's just like it's they it, lost mine i don't have a problem saying it well, I, I I don't have a horse in this game because or a horse in this race. God, I can't do anything right today um, because I don't want to go back to cable. See, I want to sci-fi. There's no way to access sci-fi without having a cable subscription that I know of. Really? I thought you could watch you you can watch stuff online after it's aired, the day after, and I think it's just like a, a video feed, and oh, you know you well, just have to watch a couple ads. Or I'm I'm learning every day. Then. Yeah, uh, check okay, it out. So yeah, I'll check it out because um, that, maybe that maybe uh, I can see what they're up to. But I just would rather go to something like Showtime, HBO, uh, even something like I four or you know, I four like BBC kind of stuff. Ew. Why not? Gross. Like they did a good job with like. Uh, some of the carryovers, like The Crown on Netflix, was a. I think that was one of theirs. Um, well, and, and you know, I gotta say, BBC, they brought back Doctor Who from the dead. Yeah, and they did a pretty good job about and it. And remember, though, yeah. one of the, my favorite characters in the miniseries being played by. I'm gonna look up his name real quick. 
It was um, Ian Mc, uh, Ian McNice. Yeah, nice. the the Baron. Yeah, he was good. He was good. Yeah, he was very good. He's still alive, guys. Yeah, we can have him back. <laughs> like, you know. So, yeah. Or the guy who played Haggard would be a pretty good Baron, I think, too. Haggard. Yeah. Robbie Coltrane. Yeah, Robbie Coltrane. Just because I've liked pretty much everything that guy's been in, even like his like weird comedies from the early '80s, where he's uh, like playing a nun on the run or something like that. <laughs> Valentin Zukowski. Oh yeah. Goldeneye. Yeah. Oh, I'm... <laughs> and uh, the world is not enough. Right. Yeah. We don't talk about the world is not enough. That, that sure never... we do. It's awesome. James Bond shoots that traitorous bitch in the head, then beats What's-His-Face to death so he can go on to Stargate Universe. Yeah. He, he shoots the plutonium core into him. Oh, yeah, he does. Yeah. That was Doc. such a weird... That was such a weird one. Because then the next one was the one with Halle Berry and the Koreans, right? Yes, the Korean hovercraft. Yeah. That was worse. Direction you don't want to go in. Uh, Korean hovercraft? Yeah, yeah, you don't want to do that. <laughs> Korean ferry boats. Any Korean transportation over water ride i i've said it before you know every time someone gets upset about north korean missile launch i'm saying like every time i've gotten to a kia it's broken down and that's the south just saying <laughs> <laughs> just saying so that's my clark statement for the day seems like the, the, <laughs> the main pitch that we were all making if people from wherever you know hulu or amazon are listening like here's your chance to make to take this guy's ready-made vision of Dune and adapt it to the small screen and give it a really epic feel. It's, it's, I mean, it's waiting for you. Amazon, right there. you just bought Whole Foods. Think of the marketing. You could have Dune-branded snacks. Clark, I know that's upsetting, but we could have Dune-branded snacks be sold at Whole Foods, and you can make more money that way. You know, So uh, think about a, a Dune... Spice rack. Yeah, that's 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 <laughs> Disney right there. I don't think Amazon would do that. That's the Disney approach. You'd have Dune everything. I just want Dune spice rack. <laughs> I, yeah. Hopefully, one of our Pakistani listeners will go ahead and send this in to their CIA handler who might know someone in Hollywood and get this taken care of because it would be cool. But yeah. I mean, I I remain skeptical only because Hollywood has butchered adaptations of franchises many times in the past, and the crimes of the Sci-Fi Channel have yet to be absolved for their sins against mankind. So, gotta roll the dice on <laughs> what? No, I'm just. I agree with you. They've committed many crimes, <laughs> yeah. many Sharknado crimes. Yes. I don't even care about that shit. I care about like, you know, the Stargate. Like, right. they're gonna keep. Starting Stargate SG One's heart again and again with the jumper paddles, and then from about 2007 <laughs> to 2014, that's a period in which they just committed like a unremitting series of crimes against sci-fi fans. They just trashed yeah. all their shows that were interesting and replaced them with Ghost Hunters and stuff, or like Sci-Fi Chili Cook-Off, or you know, Total Blackout. Oh, the scare thing, yeah, yeah where yeah, they yeah. like make it, make you go in a pitch black room and like you have to smell some guy's armpits. Oh, you... that was on Sci-Fi Channel. <laughs> yeah, yes, oh, that was... that's Sci-Fi. What happened? Or, you know, it's kind of like you yeah. want to like hit yourself in the balls with like a rubber hammer after you watch that shit. I think that was one of the challenges. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But uh, no, nah, it's cool. It does that? Um, that's the concern I have. Is that like two out of our three avenues for 
potentially having this done or have um, bad track records. You know, speaking of our listening base being in northwest, uh, northwest Pakistan mm-hmm. and in India, what if Dune went Bollywood? Ew, with songs and shit? Gross. <laughs> they could film it over there for sure, but... Have big dance numbers. And uh, yeah, yeah, stop yeah, yeah. stop the middle of... But, <laughs> right. But, the, I don't know. <laughs> what is, there, are, there, are some, there are some great Bollywood actors who could do it. What's that uh, one woman? Uh, yeah, that one woman. Ash, Ashiwarya Rai or whatever. She's yeah. like the world's most beautiful woman, and she's like a huge Bollywood star. And there was the guy yeah. who was in the new Xander Cage movie that was really uh, a, a Bollywood superstar. Are, but yeah that happened uh yeah i, I didn't well we it, sound really like we really need to welcome to bo- the xander zone <laughs> welcome to, yeah the xander zone we're gonna punish somebody now yeah. by crashing his sports car into a ravine don't be a dick dick <laughs> <laughs> um yeah leaving open the question of what what should we talk about next time it's making Stargate. a mystery stargate <laughs> you Stargate, you want to open that can of worms? I'm just around? saying, if when, if and when you do do Stargate, I get to come back because I want to talk about the Stargate. movie. The, the movie, movie. Yeah. okay, the movie. No, okay. no, the TV show. That's that's like that's like a that's like that's its own thing. It's a sacred object. Yes, but yeah. I think to discuss the movie, you you have to discuss the TV show, kind of because. But we want to do it like we did it with this one, where it's like we focused on two properties. Hmm. But we also discussed the book. We also discussed David Lynch's. We also discussed what would possibly happen if we did it. So with the Stargate one, we would focus on the first movie, and I would say the first couple seasons of SG One. Uh, actually, really, just the first season because that's the one that's closely to the movie. It still has some. Aren't the first two ones done by Showtime? Or is first, it just five. First, first five. First five. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then they sold it to the Sci-Fi Channel because there was a definite because, in, like in the very first episode, they had naked women. Yeah, and they, yeah. Like, it was there was a, there was more violence. Yeah, it was gorier yeah. too. Yeah, and it, and there's also you can tell a graphical switch between the two because Showtime, while Showtime definitely didn't put a lot of money behind that show, its its graphics were um, really good for the time period for a Showtime show. And then the minute it went to Sci-Fi, you could it, it was still good, but it, yeah, it was like you could tell they took the crew it was from like Far Dune miniseries. Do. <laughs> well, like... they they took the people who were doing the probably the CGI visuals for Farscape and said you're gonna work on Stargate SG One now. The real quick one last comment about the Dune the the blue eyes mm-hmm. it looks just like the blue the portals in Stargate after Sci Fi took over just. Just saying. It's the oh, same, just like it's the same color, the same little white sparks going through. Probably it. the same drag and drop effect. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> Adobe, I, I, Adobe I gotta, Premiere. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The <laughs> Adobe Premiere plug-in for blue shimmering. They were pool. too cheap to shell out for Final Cut Pro, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So but. you want to talk about Stargate the movie and the first season next week? So you're gonna watch the whole first season? No, 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 okay. no, 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 Because no. um, I'm actually I'm 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 gonna be out of town next weekend. Oh, so, okay. Um, so that does give us ample time to watch a whole season of SG One, though. Um, and if you're going to start SG One, you got to finish it. That's, yeah, yeah, we do. That's kind of the problem there. I mean, if if we're thinking about, um, I don't know. I I'm still listening to your guys' uh, backlog, and I'm a couple episodes back, so I don't really know the extent of what you guys have covered. But it seems like you guys have covered pretty much everything. I, I assume like you're going to cut 
this conversation out because we're, oh, we're not really recording anymore. No, we are. Okay, because, yeah, yeah, I mean, a lot of the earlier episodes, I would say, like, we didn't they're not really, really that great because yeah. we just didn't have a real format or anything. That's, I mean, I'm not going to, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I'm, so we, could, we, could, we, could, we could do something like that. I mean, there's things we, well, I think Grant's saying is there's things we're happy to revisit, too, because we might not have. Well, the early things we did were, like, we did uh, commentary tracks mm-hmm. to Stargate episodes. Yeah. Well, then that's perfect. We're to, all... <laughs> we did the one where they, they keep repeating. They're in the loop. Groundhog oh. Day, yeah. Right, yeah. and they're playing golf and the Stargate and stuff. Oh, such a yeah. good one. Um, I don't know. We could, like... I just don't, like... Have you guys ever done, like... I'll tell you two movies we haven't done. It's Tron and Tron 2. Oh, that'd be pretty good. Great comparison there. To it's do, a better uh, than what my idea was, <coughs> which was Scorpion King one and two. Keep oh, it's not sci-fi. <laughs> it's though. not really. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it sci-fi. It's like because you can't believe that The Rock is exactly. Yeah, <laughs> See, but I do believe The Rock is that guy because that's pretty much. If you want to talk real sci-fi, the CGI in The Mummy Returns for The Rock. Remember Awful. that. Awful. That's real sci-fi because it's like clearly he must be an alien because or, he just doesn't look real. <laughs> or the or the or the uh, graphic change for the Rock in Doom. When yes. He got, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Great. Movie. We talked about Doom though, didn't we? We did. Yeah. yeah. Only <laughs> that proves retards are the future. Yeah. <laughs> Your twenty-fifth chromosome or whatever it was, the woman all the extra chromosomes is actually Carl Urban's ancestor, and his sister injected them, and he turned into a Superman. And killed the rock. Man, you remember a lot more of that movie than I do. <laughs> I have a really good memory, so So do you guys consider like sci fi horror too? Or is it just sci fi like Oh yeah. What, we, what's your gam- what's your range? I mean, it just has to have a science fiction element in okay. it. Like we talked about alien and aliens. But alien, some degree yeah. of science fiction. For example, yeah. The Walking Dead is permanently disqualified. Oh, of course. No, yeah. no, no, no. I, I was... Because that would just qualify the, the most that would get to in my book is medical horror. Exactly, right. Because <laughs> this... Well, cause see, that, that, like with Doctor Who and everything, I know this may not be an, the actual recording, but my biggest gripe with the new Doctor Who's after Tenet was that you have this fan base get so obsessed with the, with the franchise that they just kill it. They just kill any enjoyment of it because they've made it into this bigger-than-life deal. It's like, oh, Doctor Who is amazing. I have a TARDIS scarf. It's the original Doctor Seven scarf. Well, I, and Moffat sucks at writing. Yeah. It's and it, so, Russell T. Davies, all the great episodes, that he, he created those. Yeah. Question. Yeah. You've watched Doctor Who. Yeah. Why are they afraid of trash cans with plungers on the side of them? No one has answered that to my satisfaction. The Daleks? The Daleks. It's just been the longest... Well, technically Cybermen, I think, is the oldest nemesis for the Doctor. I understand. I get the Borg. I I understand why you'd be afraid of them, but... Well, the trash. That, the the trash cans are not there. There there is a creature inside there, and he's afraid of them because it's. I. They're just completely evil. They're, they're just completely yeah. It, they're, you they're, need yeah. you need in in this serialized type of show, you need an evil entity that no matter what you do, even if you try to make them good in some way, they're going to be evil. And that's the Daleks. The Daleks yeah. have always been evil. 
Even when he, I think he tried to save the queen of the Daleks in one episode, Tenet or something like that, way back. Like, or there's so much shit they just like they yeah. retcon their own stuff. Like, I mean, the, really they've retconned, yeah. retconned, retconned. Right. Like so, That's, I I guess that kind of serialized show doesn't work for me. I never really liked. But Doctor if Who. you just start watching from when they rebooted the series in 2005 till now, you probably have a better experience than going back to the beginning and trying to watch like all of the stuff from the 60s oh, totally. up until now because you just get lost i when uh when i first got back into doctor who i got the david Tennant box set for my girlfriend at the time as a christmas gift and it's my biggest regret in life that i never took it back from her because <laughs> it had all this had all of his episodes all of his specials all of his everything you mean you they don't they don't sell that in a larger set now they do but well they the the set I want is out of print, and so it's like two three hundred dollars now. Oh, instead of a hundred dollars on which, eBay or yeah. something. Yeah, okay. I because they've added more. I think they've added. Uh, it's like the Matt Smith David Tennant box set now, or something like that. And it's not. It's not like a book box set. It's like more, <clears> more of those grave marker column box sets that you're used to seeing for DVDs. I didn't mind Matt Smith at all. I, I just didn't him. like the storyline with him and Clara, where it's kind of like. Will they or won't they? Yeah, like I you know, trying to make her into his boy or uh, yeah, his girlfriend or something. And it's like that's not how the companion thing works. Yeah, but stop. <laughs> I the um, Doctor Who meets Van Gogh or Van Gogh meets the Doctor episode is <clears throat> I cry every time, and I'm 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 manly enough to admit that that is a emotional wrecking episode. Is that <laughs> the one where it's still? Um, He's still traveling around with Amy yep. and her boyfriend. No, no, it's before the boyfriend becomes a major player. This okay, is, so it's like a really early, 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 thing. early. Okay, yeah yeah, 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 all right. Yeah, so yeah, that's cool. I yeah, just start watching from the two thousand five so, onwards. As, as for next week, since I'm not going to be here, you guys can figure out something. But I would really like to come back and do something next the, the week after. Yeah, you can come back whenever you want. Okay. Yeah, we'll get you in here with Justin. Well, because sometimes, like, Justin, uh, it'd be cool to do, like, all four of us, but sometimes, mm-hmm. too, like, Justin didn't come today because you know, was, like, Day. Final Fantasy or something came out, or... I would like to. Uh, <laughs> I liked how I said Father's Day, and you were like, Final Fantasy. I was like, and... and, and, and